Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, it's kind of interesting that, you know, here's Joseph and he's, 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 he's hearing his father say, you know, the blessings that you're receiving are more than the blessings that I got. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, not jealous or anything. He's just telling them that. Now, isn't that true for us today? Isn't that true for us today? I mean, in what ways can you say that the spiritual blessings that we have today are greater than the blessings that, that, that Joseph received, that the Old Testament received? And, and I don't mean that we have the iPhone X and they didn't have it, so I don't mean that. So what would you say? What would you say, what are our greater blessings that we have today than the Old Testament saints had? You know, we have the whole counsel of God. We've got the whole Bible here. I'm the, the, that's right, because the, Moses wrote about this. Okay, good. What else? Okay, well, yeah. All right. What else? We have more promises. All right. What promise do we have that's more than they had? Just general. They have more, okay. All right, what else? Yeah, we have the knowledge, knowledge of not just, okay, let me give you a verse here. It kind of sums it up. Hebrews 1, Hebrews 1, 1. Hebrews 1, 1. God, in the past now, God who in sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past, that'd be like the Old Testament, unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. We have the revelation of the Son. We have the the fact that the Messiah has come, God the Son has come, and whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory. We get to see the brightness of the glory of God in the Scriptures. And the express image of his persons, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. When did he do that? On the cross. When did that happen? After the Old Testament saints. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, and so forth. So that's what we have. And we could say the blessings that we have have prevailed, like Joseph was saying, like Jacob was saying to Joseph, look, your blessings you're getting are more than the blessings I got. The blessings we got are more than the blessings they got. Now, we can see this because the Lord Jesus has come. And so that's how it's true from us. Okay. Now, Jacob now calls out how Joseph was separated, separate from his brethren in verse 26, when he says at the end there, it's going to be on, be on the head of Joseph, on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. So Joseph is separate from his brethren. How was he separate through his brethren? Well, obviously, he was separate from his brethren because they sold him. 
They sold him as a slave. That's I got separate in, in Genesis 20, 37, 28. 37, 28, when those Midians, Midianites, merchants, they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, that wasn't Joseph's choice. He didn't want to be separated from his brethren. That was their choice. And in the same way, Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are separate from their brethren, not by their choice, but by the choice of the Jewish people. And the Lord has a special word to those Jewish believers who believe in the Lord Jesus in Isaiah 66.5. In Isaiah 66.5, this is God speaking to the Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus who have been separated when he says, Isaiah 66.5, Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, which name would that be? Jesus. Said, let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy and shall be, and, and they shall be ashamed. So God's word, that's God's word to them as, as uh, separated Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus. Now, the Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus, they have a special word back to God. So they're going to speak back to God now in Isaiah 63, 16. Isaiah 63, 16, when they say, doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, our Lord, art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. So that's their word back to God. Okay, now we come to Benjamin. Benjamin. And, um, and maybe Jacob kind of breathed a sigh of relief and thought, oh, finally, the last son, Benjamin. I don't know. But anyway, Benjamin's kind of interesting. Only one verse to describe Benjamin, but boy, is it packed. It says in verse 27, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf, in the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. So Benjamin is described as a wolf, as a wolf. And there are three characteristics that Jacob is describing about the wolf that typifies Benjamin. First, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf, in verse 27. Now, the word, the Hebrew word here that Jacob uses for raven is taraf. Taraf, it means to tear apart. It's the picture of the wolf biting into the flesh and the muscles and the organs of its prey, tearing it off piece by piece. That's what it means. Like you see a hawk who's got some rodent or whatever he's got for a prey there, and, he's, and he uses his beak to tear off piece by piece. That's the picture that Jacob is painting of Benjamin here. It's a picture of fierceness and warlikeness of Benjamin. And then next, in the morning he shall devour the prey. The picture that he's painted here is he's, he's totally in the morning, is the word akal. Akal means in Hebrew, totally consuming. He's eating it all. There's nothing left over when he's finished. He's totally consumed. So here the scene is how the wolf is not afraid of another animal coming and taking its prey. This wolf is fearless. He's not like the leopard who goes and makes a kill and then takes it up the top of a tree so that it won't get taken from him. You know, he doesn't, the wolf doesn't have the cheetah complex where the cheetah kills and something else eats it. No, because he's fearless. So right there in the broad daylight of the morning, the, the wolf is calmly consuming and eating his prey. That shows how Benjamin was not afraid in war, in the fight of war. And then third, in verse 27, at night he shall divide the spoil. This shows how Benjamin 
hunts at night and surprises his prey and takes his prey and then divides up portions with his little wolves so they can eat. This shows how Benjamin is skillful in war. So this is what we've seen. He's fierce in war. He's not afraid in war. And he's, he, he's skillful in war. All of these pictures of Benjamin show a warlike tribe in Israel. And, and that's what that, and that was seen in this time when all of Israel came against Benjamin because they wouldn't deliver up the man who raped this man's concubine and killed her in the process. And, and so because they wouldn't deliver it up, deliver up those men, then all of Israel came against Benjamin. And here's the interesting what happened in Judges 2015. Judges 2015. The children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of, out of, out of the cities, 20 and 6,000 men that drew sword. And then there were, in, in the inhabitants of Gibeah, were numbered 700. So you got 26,000 plus 700. And then there were 700 chosen left-handed men, men left-handed. Everyone could sling slings at a hairbreadth and not miss. Okay, so 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 that that's uh, that's on the side of Benjamin about r- more, uh, roughly twenty eight thousand. Got twenty eight thousand men. Now we go to Israel in verse seventeen, Judges twenty seventeen. The men of Israel beside Benjamin, not including Benjamin, were numbered four hundred thousand men that drew sword. All these were men of war. Right? So we got twenty eight thousand against four hundred thousand. Those are pretty bad odds, you know, for Benjamin. Those don't look very good. And it says in verse 20 there, and the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin, and the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeon. Then it says in verse 21, the children of Benjamin came forth out of, ben, uh, out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground of the Israelites that day 22,000 men. They whooped them. There's 28,000 men of Benjamin that fought against 400,000 men of Israel, and Benjamin kills 22,000 men of Israel. And then those 400,000 men of Israel, they, they said, well, maybe it was a bad day. So then they went back the second day against Benjamin, and the results are in Judges 20, 25. Judges 20, 25. Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed down to the ground of the children of Israel again 18,000 men. All those men drew the sword. How could 28,000 men battle against 400,000 men, 400,000 men, and, and, and beat them two days in a row? Because they were Benjamites. Because the Benjamites were warlike. Now, when you think about that, who in the Bible was from the tribe of Benjamin? Paul, Saul, 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 actually. <laughs> the first Saul, the king, and then the second Saul of Tarsus, who was Paul, just so it's confusing for you. Okay, well, who else? Anybody remember anybody else? Was he a Benjamite? Oh, yeah, okay, that's right. Okay, I, I forgot about him. Well, actually, the son of Saul, this is no big revelation, but the son of Saul was also, also from Benjamin, Jonathan, right? Anybody remember a man named Ehud? Ehud, yeah? He was from Benjamin. And, and Esther was from Benjamin. Mordecai, Esther, they're from Benjamin. All from the tribe of Benjamin. Well, what about this man, Ehud? Does he look like he's warlike? Well, what did he do? Well, in Judges 3.15, Judges 3.15, it says, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer. Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a man left-handed. And, and by him, the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of, of Moab. Ehud made him a dagger. Ehud made him a dagger, which had two edges, a cubit length. 
and he girded under the raiment on his right, right thigh. So, you know, he had to do this. Anyway, and, and he brought it, the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man, and when he made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people to bear the present, and he himself turned again to the quarries that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, keep silence, and all them that stood by went out from Ehud came unto him. He was sitting in the summer parlor, which he had for himself alone. Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he rose out of his seat, and Ehud, Ehud put forth his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. And the haft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade, so that he could not draw out the belly, the belly and dirt came out. Ehud went forth. That's a pretty fierce, ferocious man to be all alone there and knife the, the king of, uh, that, that has rule over you. That was Ehud. That was a Benjamite. And then Saul, Saul, he was also, you know, it says in 1 Samuel eleven six, First 1 Samuel eleven six, the spirit of God came upon Saul and his anger was kindled. He took a yoke of oxen, hewed them in pieces, sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hand of messengers saying, whosoever cometh not after Saul and after Samuel, but it shall be done unto his oxen. And, and then he, gets all the people together. There were 300,000 of them. And then they went and, and, and killed the Ammonites. That was Saul. Jonathan also, he was a brave man. You remember when he went with his armor bearer and he said, uh, uh, you know, we're going to go out to the Philistines all alone, just the two of us against this garrison. And this is the way it's going to work. He says to his armor bearer, he says, you know, he says, we're going to discover ourselves to them. And if they say, come up to us, then we're going to know that we're, we, we can slaughter them. And so they did that. And, and that's what happened. And they slaughtered that garrison there. Fierce Benjamites. And then Esther, you know, we think of, oh, beautiful Esther. Now, kind Esther. So nice to be around Esther. Well, in, in Esther 9.13, Esther goes to the king. It should then said, Esther, if it please the king, let it be granted the Jews which are in Shushan to do tomorrow according to the day's decree. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. Okay, so, you know, don't name a daughter Esther. Anyway, and then Saul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, you know, it, it, it says in, in Acts 9.1, Acts 9.1, Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest. These are all Benjamites. All right, now, now we come now where he's finished his work in verse 28, and it says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is that their father spake unto them and blessed them, everyone according to his blessings, he blessed them. So this is the verse that summarizes the last work of Jacob on earth. This is what he set out to do in the beginning of this chapter when he gathered all of his sons together. And now he's ready to leave the world. He's, and how wonderful that there is a verse 28. Kind of wondered what's he going to have it. But, but Jacob, he, he, he could say that, he could say the words that the Lord Jesus said to God the Father in John 17, 4. John 17, 4. Jacob could say, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He could repeat the words of Paul. He could repeat the words of Paul in, at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 7. 2 Timothy 4, 7, when Paul said, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. See, verse 28 is, the, is Jacob, he's now looking back on his life, and this is his last work on earth here, and, and he's gonna tell, he could essentially say, you know, now that he's blessed his sons, I did it, I finished the work. Now, when we see something like that, it's such a challenge for us to be able to look back on our lives at the end of our lives and be able to say those same sort of things. I did it. You know, be able to say, I finished the work. 
which God gave me to do. I finished my course. You know, no runner finishes a course unless he knows what the course is. He's got to run. You know, every time, I, uh, every time we go to the Del Mar Fair, and, and Scott Alba and I will be going there tomorrow, and, and we, we, we have to cross over to the fun zone, which, which is you know, inside the track. So we have to cross over the racetrack where the horses run to Del Mar, Del Mar Racetrack. And, and I like to stop in the middle of the track and look down the whore, look down, look down the course there and just imagine myself a horse. I'm almost as big as a horse. <laughs> and running the race and just, you know, I'm just thinking in my, my, my mind as I'm sitting there in the middle, I'm looking down there and say, well, what, this is what that horse sees when he's running. And this is what is in front of him. Now, there's only one way that a horse can finish the course, and, and that is he's got to stay focused on the course. You know, if, if the horse, uh, 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 you know, happens to be on the track and then gets distracted, you know, he doesn't look down the track. He looks off to the side. He gets interested. I wonder what's on the other side of that fence. It stops, and, uh, and can I jump this fence and get over there? He's never going to finish the course because in that point, the race means nothing to the horse. But if he's focused on that, that's, that's what's kind of fun to do is to look down that, that course and say, well, you know, I got to get to that part. Then I got to get to that point. Then I got to get to the curve. Then I got to go around, you know. And if he's focused on that and he's sort of with his eyes and his mind, he's lunging forward, then his feet are going to lunge forward. And if he's a good horse, he'll win the race. But anyway, the greatest danger that we have to not running the race and to finishing the course is that, first of all, in order for us to finish the course and run the race, we have to know what the course is. What's the course? You know, what the course is. And stay focused on the course so that we come to the end of our lives and we can say, I finished the course because I knew what the course was. And I stayed focused on the course. You know, I, I went to the hospital the day before yesterday and to visit the friend who had just been told that she has very aggressive pancreatic cancer that spread to her lungs and liver. And, you know, the, and I was there the night before when the doctor came in to thought it was cancer and immediately you know i said well let's not think about that i said we're not going to think about that i say we're not going to think about that we're going to think about you know how god is caring and god is good and he well anyway yesterday we're all there several of us are there including diana from work and and so diana says to her says so how has your life been <laughs> i'm trying to keep upbeat you know <laughs> I was, I don't want that question, you know, right now. And, and, and that's why I turned to Deanna. I said, Deanna, what are you doing? Are you giving your last rites now? You know, it's like, but later I got to thinking about how that was really a good question to ask because it's a sobering look back question. And, and I was trying, you know, here I am trying to keep everybody from thinking about death, but Deanna was being a realist and getting to reflect back on her life. And I was also thinking about when she said that, about how good and how instructive that was for Deanna to ask that question in front of everybody else who didn't have aggressive pancreatic cancer. And it was good for all of us to hear that question. It was good for all of us to realize that, you know, we're coming to a point where, in time when that question will be asked, well, how was your life? Did you finish the work? Did you finish the course? Did you know what the work was? Did you know what the course was? Did you stay focused on it? And now here was Jacob in verse 28, where in verses 1 and 2, he'd gathered all of his sons together to do this work. And now in verse 28, he, he, he's finished. And he said, these are them. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is that that their father spake unto them, blessed them. 
You know, it's really something. You look at that verse 20. You, you look at that, that, that verse there in verse 28, when, and when it says that all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, we, we, you know, we've kind of been reflecting back on each one of their lives a little bit. Well, we yeah, have when we read it. Anyway, it says all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. We read that and we say, really? Is this really? Is this, is this really the 12 tribes of Israel? Is this, is this, is this all the 12 tribes of Israel? This is what God's going to use to reach the world? This, these people are going to turn the world from darkness to light? This group of men who will become the tribes? That's it? This is the people of God? And the answer is yes. That's it. And these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And our only response when we look at something like that is we say, well, if those are the 12 tribes of Israel that God's going to use to bring blessing to every family of the earth, which is what he promised, then all I can say is the words of the chorus, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. And that God could take such a motley crew (laughs) of these 12 sons and turn the world upside down it speaks of what a mighty God we serve. And, and that's the question for us. When we really look at and take a good look at ourselves and ask the same question, me, me, God's really gonna use me to accomplish his will and his work on earth? And the answer is, yes, what a mighty God we serve. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being the mighty God that we serve. And no wonder, no wonder that angels bow before you and heaven and earth adore you because you're a mighty God. And so, Lord, what we see here with these 12 sons, these 12 tribes, the people of God, it shows us your great and your mightiness with Jacob. Lord, when he was speaking to Joseph, we got the message. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, 
plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 